Blog Talk Radio. from New York, and I'm joined here by Jay Logan. Jay, good morning. Good morning. It's a wonderful morning out here in San Francisco, and I'm so happy to be with you again, Ian. This is great. We're back again. Absolutely. Another beautiful day. Us back in our individual coasts as the last few shows. Last time we were out in London, and the show before, we, I was, we were both out in the Bay, so... It's nice to be kind of back at our regular places, as today we are talking about the relationships that parents, actually really today's episode of Parents Kids Music is going to be about the influences that people have growing up, whether it's from their parents or if it's from their friends at home or different places to understand really how they became the people they are, and the, the music that they listen to. So, Jay, what can you share this morning? Because it is morning for you. It's 9 a.m. out in California at about noon here in New York. Yes. Um, well, today I learned from my daughter. You know, I always have these daughter stories. Today I learned about a new artist. So I had to listen to her again, listen to her artist. And like I tell parents out there, you must, you must listen to your kids. The artist today, the artist for today, Ian, is Emily Ament, and she's kind of like a 16-year-old uh, rock kind of pop star on the Disney Channel, Emily Osment. I think it's O-S-M-E-N-T. And oh, Osment. She plays- oh, Emily Osment. I'm, I'm the younger sister of Haley Joe Osment. Yeah, and she plays Lily on um, one of the um, Hannah Montana shows. Yeah. So, so, you know, obviously, well, let me listen. Okay, here I go again. You know, I told you about the Justin Bieber thing, so this is this is wonderful. So I'm saying, wow, what is this going to be like? And actually, Ian, I enjoyed it. <laughs> wow. I enjoyed it. Uh, I, the song, like, it's the song was called All of It. Oh, I, I, huh? It's just amazing it's that it's the machine. Yeah, you know, that Disney machine, Hollywood Records was the label, and I guess that's owned by Disney in, and the song was called All the Way Up. And uh, actually, one of the lyrics from the song was something like, I like biting my nails and play air guitar. I don't know what that means, but I guess she likes biting her nails and play. Yes. (laughs) Biting my nails and playing air guitar. If anyone has ever actually done that, uh, we invite you to call us. We actually we do have our call line today, which is 661-244-9800. That's 661-244-9800. And that is the number we invite you to call and um, share with us your experiences of the music you listened to growing up and, and how it's made the, you the person that you are today. Right, right, right. Um, like, like I was saying, though. Go ahead. Yeah, Ian. Like I was saying, like I was saying, Ian. Um, those lyrics were strange for a grown-up dad. Um, I don't know how. Why would you need to bite your nails and play an air guitar? You're not using your fingers actually with the air guitar. But let's move on. I just wanted. To <laughs> those lyrics were just outrageous. That, but that's good. That's, yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> and, and so it I just, I just like told you that something she, about fun. Yes, and she's she's growing up. You know, she's done with the Justin Bieber. The Bieber is no longer in her life. So this other uh, girl, um, Emily, is her new uh, fascination. So I'm just living. It's so fun. 
and um, I'm living with her with the music thing. And not only that, like, like our topic today is uh, um, what kind of music did your parents introduce you to growing up? But it's also what kind of music did your kids introduce you to growing down? <laughs> so <laughs> I'm, I'm learning the opposite, which is so much fun, and I just encourage all of us to in to cherish, you know, this music that they share with their kids. So. As obviously you've got that base, you're a parent, I'm not yet, at least, that just, that whole just turn around of, it's like, like, where does your daughter get her, your daughters, I know you have two daughters, um, get their influence, their own musical influences, like, is it from school, is it just from watching the Disney Channel, is it, it, is it from their father, like, like, what other, like, what other stuff have you been introduced to by your, by your kids? Well, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's a multiple publicity of things. It's the school. It's the book clubs. It's the peer pressure at school. Um, it's the fact that it's music in the home here, and it's the fact that her older sister uh, loves music, and she's always uh, watched her perform. So she's influenced from a lot of things. It's kind of a cultural thing. And uh, she told me today, Ian, um, <laughs> while we were driving to school, she said, I said, well, what, what makes you like songs? She said, it's fun. It puts me in a different place, and I can be myself, and I like to dance, and I just have so much fun interacting with music. So it's, it's just a great overall tool to bring happiness in your home. And, and that's, that's what's so wonderful about music. And I think that's where she gets uh, the motivation to listen to new things. And uh, so I told her, you know, I said, I'm going to talk to Ian today on the show, and I'm going to share, share this with her, my ride to school with her and Emily Osment. <laughs> That's Emily Osment. It, it, it's just amazing that, because I, like, I was like, wait, she sings too? Because I realized that, that, yes, that she was on Hannah Montana, which is a show, obviously, on the, based on music about this young girl who secretly is a rock star and such. And, like, in some ways it, it makes sense, like a natural connection, since I know that Disney especially has had a lot of success with music-based programming, like with the high school musical movies from a, from a few years ago and just embracing the Jonas Brothers, that they've just found a new way to promote in, a, in days where radio airplay becomes less and less. Right, like, right. Like, does your, like, they, like, do your daughters listen to the radio much these days? Yeah, but not really. You know, um, there's a child in San Francisco. There's a wonderful little girl who's friends with Alicia Keys. Her name is Gabby Wilson. And my, my daughter, and she goes all over. She's been on uh, Marty Potter's uh, Super Kids and all these shows. And she's been on the Disney Channel. She's part of the Disney thing, but she's from the Bay Area. So she loves this little girl. This little girl is like, plays the piano, and she's like, she's in good grades in school, and she's a piano player. She's a little Alicia Keys. And my daughter just admires her, and she wants to be like her. So she gets influenced from just seeing kids do music. Uh, I had a friend that sent me a, 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 a YouTube of a little boy. He was 12 years old. And the little boy played uh, just guitar. I can't think of his name, but it was amazing. He was like, he was like Eric Clapton, George Benson, and he was 12 years old. And then, you know, I'm a musician, but it made me just want to quit. <laughs> the little boy was amazing. And uh, next, maybe our next show I'll get his name. But just these little kids, these little superstar kids, they, you know, these kids influence each other. And they, that's how they, they, get it, they, um, they grow. They're so excited about each other. They watch each other. And this Gabby Wilson, you, you can go to GabbyWilson.com. She's just amazing. I mean, she's been on, on, on all these wonderful shows, national artists, and they, they, just, they just flourish with watching other kids do great things. And that's, that's, that seems like how they get motivated now. They're watching their own friends grow and be successful. So we live in a world today where these little kids are just amazing musicians, just amazing. That's that is amazing. And Jay, we, we have our first caller, so I'm going to bring them on. Hold on. Okay. I press 
Hello, hey, this is Ian and Jay on Terrence Kiss Music, and who is joining us right now? Hi, this is Adam. Hello, Adam Hello. Deutsch, how, how are you doing today? Yeah, all right, how's it going? Everything Excellent. Is mm-hmm. You guys hear me? Yes, sir. Yes, we can. And the entire well. internet chat as well. Uh, what's that? It's, it's a great day. Oh, very nice. Absolutely. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, so Adam, I'm how. Yeah, so Adam, how about you ex- how about you share with us um, what you do, your musical background, so um, to give our listeners Absolutely. an understanding. Sure. I am a uh, lawyer by trade. I'm waiting to hear back my results from the bar, so pending admission any day now. But I am a, music- a musician in background. Uh, I play guitar and bass and dabble in drums and more or less a, a collector of, of instruments and, and try and just kind of get my hands in everything. Um, I've always uh, been musical. I sang in an acapella group at Rutgers University when I was there, and I've played in a band uh, for about five years now uh, called the Baja Collective, and it's kind of a, a jam, bluesy funk type of sound, and I sing with that band as well. Very cool. Yes, so, yes, so Adam, as you say, you have a very strong musical background, and what were your influences growing up? Uh, a number of influences. I'd say, uh, you know, look, the bulk of my, a lot of my influence and my personality comes from the fact that I'm the youngest of three brothers. Uh, so having two older brothers who are nine and six years older than me, they were big role models and something for me to to really follow. So I can remember uh, taking a family vacation down to Florida and me having to sit in the middle of them in the back seat. And my parents would listen to more or less like oldie stations. So for those in the New York area, it's kind of the comparable CBS FM or even the old WNEW with like Scott Muni or, or Class Rock stations. And I just remember uh, my oldest brother, who was also in an acapella group when he went off to college, uh, trying to harmonize in the back seat to whatever was on the radio and, and kind of picking up on, on harmonies and, and kind of sharing that with my older brothers. And it was something that I wanted to pick up on because it, it allowed me to interact with them as such a younger sibling. Um, but my I've always loved live music. And uh, my parents did take me to concerts. I went to see the New York Philharmonic pretty regularly as a kid. Uh, their children's series. I remember seeing Simon and Garfunkel when they did a reunion in the early 90s and Beach Boys and other concerts like that. Wow, uh, lots, so, of, lots of live music experience. Definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I've always been fond of live music in part because I think, you know, like the Beatles are, are the classic example of you can accomplish anything in the studio, but who knows really how good of a, a band they would have been live. I mean, they, they stopped playing uh, pretty early in their career, and who knows if they could have accomplished a lot of the sounds that they made outside of the studio. So to me, uh, live music is always kind of the, the real test of, of true musicianship, whether you could take what you do in the studio outside of it. Absolutely, that famous final concert of the Beatles at Candlestick Park in San Francisco that lasted only 30 minutes before they walked off the stage. Who knows if they played stuff like their later stuff live, how powerful that would be. Yeah, so, you know, we actually have our second guest as well, so I'm going to bring him on as well. Hi, how's it going? Hello, hey, it's um, it's it's Ian and Jay and Adam. How are you today? Great, great. Can't complain. This is Jennifer. Excellent, Jennifer. Thanks for joining us today. A great, great to be on here. Um, yeah, so here we're talking about parents, kids, and music, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what do you explain um about your background and your musical background, and then we'll. <laughs> And we'll ask some questions along with you and Adam and Jay about all of our individual experiences just growing up listening to music and 
our relationships with our families as a result of it. Okay. Um, well, I'm a singer-songwriter, um, and I, I, music has always been a part of my life. You know, um, my family isn't a musical family per se. My parents don't play instruments, but my dad does sing amazingly well. Um, but growing up, they would play a lot of the stuff they listened to growing up. You know, the Beatles, all the Motown stuff. I'm from Philly, so that that's always been big. Um, uh, but then my mom really got me into Broadway and classical music growing up, too. That was important for her that I, like, was exposed to different kinds of music, not just, you know, Top 40 radio. Um, but music, I mean, in terms of our relationships, it was definitely something that brought us together. You know, um, like, my family would always come to my recitals, and I would, I don't know, whenever I learned a new song or something, I would play it for my parents or... Um, you know, and my dad's always singing around the house. It's just, even though we're not a musical, musical family, we were like, we're, we're moving in that direction, you know, so. Um, but that's basically it. I mean. So, so the question is, is there any particular songs or anything that, that you know, you listened to growing up that, perhaps are on your iPods today, that things that you still listen to every so often or sometimes you just jump back to it and because it's something that you just acquire just musically just as a child. <laughs> Good memories um, from the song. Actually, I have to say a really big song for me, and this going to sound really cheesy, <laughs> but I'm not afraid to admit it, <laughs> Um, is, and yes, I do have it on my iPod, um, the song Tomorrow from Annie, <laughs> um, because that's what inspired me to take voice lessons, like, I wanted to be Annie the next year, the next production, so that would be a big one, and I killed that song, my poor parents, like, I sang it over and over again, so I wanted to get it perfect, <laughs> um, so that that always brings a smile to my face when I hear it. So um, very cool. Not musical, actually, but excellent. And Adam, any particular songs from your childhood that just resonate with you today? I, you know, I mean, I reach back a lot and listen to things I grew up on. Um, but for me, at this point. It's more of their connections that I've made uh, where my parents kind of opened the doors for artists that I got into more than I, I connect to specific songs from my childhood. An example would be my mom always loved the Lou Reed song Walk on the Wild Side whenever it came on the radio. And through that, I mean, you know, she, I don't, to my knowledge, she never listened to uh, Velvet Underground, but right. through her interest in Lou Reed, it opened the doors for me in high school to Velvet Underground, which certainly opened up a whole other bag of influences. I think there's a lot of examples of that with, uh, like, Simon and Garfunkel, they listen to a lot. But for me, like, The Only Living Boy in New York is, is just such a great song, and I don't remember ever listening to that with them. So uh, I like kind of chasing down the B-sides and, and finding deeper cuts, uh, but they certainly exposed me to all those artists. Absolutely. And, and Jay, do you have anything to share about this, about songs, even like when you grew up being the son of a jazz musician and certain things that influenced you as you grew up that you still listen to today or still like just jump back to whether it's on your iPhone or if it's even just like going just to go right to the YouTube search for a song just so you just have it again. Well, yeah, I'm coming from a, a jazz background. Um, I grew up listening to a lot of Art Tatum. So when I hear anything about Art Tatum, it uh, reminds me when I was a kid, you know. And unfortunately, I still can't play as good as Art Tatum at this age, and I don't think I ever will be. But, <laughs> but given that said, Art Tatum, uh, George Duke, uh, Oscar Peterson, um, you know, growing up with that uh, inspired me to listen to all types of music. And, and, and it also helped me realize there's no boundaries. You can Whatever you hear, you can enjoy. 
you know, and that just, even if it's just a three-chord uh, progression. You know, a lot of these songs out here are like three-chord progressions, but you can still make that interesting. So, yeah, those are some of my influence, and those are the things that I listen to. Um, but on the, other, on the popular music side, um, any music that we listen to as adults with our kids or even with our music buddies, like I don't know Adam or Jennifer, did you guys grow up with, Friends that listen to music with you as kids, you guys had your own little, you know. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And that that was a big influence for me. I mean, that is like a totally different, um, like, sphere of influence. I mean, you know, my friends. I grew up in Philly, South Philly, so we listened to a lot of like Boys to Men, Mariah Carey, all that stuff. So it, that was, you know, I did a lot of R and B with my friends, R and B and like hip hop and stuff. And for me, I mean, I'd say my, my social circles were always really governed by music that people were into. In middle school and, and through high school, I got really into the local punk and ska scene in uh, North Jersey. And every weekend, like, that's, you know, it was what show are we going to, at what firehouse, what American Legion Hall. And we just kind of created our social scene around the music that we would interact with. And certainly our taste involved, but there's always, was always music going on in the background. Wow. Wow. So you still have these What's friends that? now? Um, still cool? Everybody still has their same musical friends and go back and reminisce and stuff? Is... Yeah, I mean, I'm still in touch with a lot of people, but we definitely don't listen to that music anymore. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I've moved. I've moved. I mean, Although I love, yeah. You know, some some of those influences remain. I mean, from when I was really into ska, I just fell in love with horns. And I mean, like with my band, any time that we have the opportunity to bring a sax or trumpet player on board with us and we're playing live, we do it. I mean, I just I fell in love with. It, it kind of opened up other doors while it was punk and ska at the time. Who knew that that would lead me to love probably punk and ballad and. Ah. I don't know, you know, soul live and, and bands that, that really push the limits uh, using horns. It's weird where those connections come from. Hmm. What about you? Still, Jennifer, are you still friends with uh, some of your music friends coming up from um, middle school and high school? And I mean, what I was talking about like, in terms of my influences, like, I was going back, like, you know, when I was, like, five or six. Like, that's, like, all that hip-hop and the R&B stuff, that was, like, when I was really young. So those friends I've kind of lost. I mean, I, had, I still have two friends from that age that actually live in New York now and hang out all the time. Um, not so much connected by music, but connected by art in general, because they do acting and I do music. But... Um, but my friends from high school, like my music friends from high school, middle school, yeah, we totally still vibe. And, like, the thing is, though, I think with all my music friends, we all are still growing in what we listen to. And what I listened to two years ago is totally different from the music I'm listening to right now. Like, I'm always on the search, on the prowl for new music. Like, music moves me, and it's, like, it feeds me. And it's, it's something where there's so much to listen to and appreciate and to understand and learn that... I like I, I don't know I don't I don't spend too much time reminiscing because there's so much more out there, you know. So, you know, Ian, that's that's different. So she, she what she's saying is that sometimes you can outgrow your childhood music friends and high school friends because you start listening to different genres of music and you kind of outgrow that. So that's something that's interesting. I don't. What do you think, Ian, about that? Like I can say that my friends. I would never outgrow my friends because my musical influences or my musical tastes change. You know, it's not outgrowing your friends. It's just, it's just like we're all growing and we're all searching out new music and we're still friends and we'll bring that to the table. You know, like oh, I'm, I checked out this band last night. They're really good. Like you know, they checked out something. You know, mm-hmm. it's not outgrowing your friends. Like your friends are your friends for life. Right. It's just because that you have like I have friends growing. I had growing up who just, it wasn't so much about music. I know, like, 
especially when I got into college, I really got into the band Fish in particular and, like, things like Dave Matthews Band. And I realized, like, my friends growing up were like, what is this music? I could care less. Remember, I dragged one of my best friends once to a Fish concert just so just so they can understand, okay, what's going on with Ian here? And they're like, okay, yeah, I get the scene. I get the music. It's, it, I'm, it's not really my interest, but, but you know what? Hey, it, it's you. Yeah, and it's, it's part of you and your friends. Like, they're going to love you no matter what your musical tastes are, you know? You know, my, some of my friends are really into the Backstreet Boys, and you know what? I don't hate them for I'm so friends with them. <laughs> there's always that intersection of, you know, are, are you into music or are you into the culture of a particular scene or artist or, you know, some intersection of that? And I think that's, you know, to Jay's question about outgrowing friends, I think if if your collective interest is more about the culture surrounding particular artists, you know, for, for Ian, if you have friends that have outgrown the culture that surrounds going to fish concerts, you know, there are plenty of people that go because of a scene that's there as opposed to music. Um, and, it, you know, if you're outgrowing that, you know, that's, I don't know whether you could say that's really outgrowing music outgrowing your friends or outgrowing the culture that binds you, but certainly a, a lot of our connections just with friends and, and whatnot are, are more about the collective experience that we share through that music. You know, I think what I'm having trouble understanding is I don't like, I personally don't like using the word friends so loosely. Like people that I out, like people that I hang out with, like in a certain scene, I would never call them, they're more of an acquaintance for me. You know, it's someone that is, I'm hanging out with currently because we, we vibe with the same culture, we vibe with the same music taste. But I would never outgrow a friend because of a music taste. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's I think, where I, I was a little bit confused. Right. My personal definition of a friend is someone for life who I would, you know, give my life for, basically. Like, so... You know. And you know, in this Facebook era, it's been—it's really like the definition of a friend has—I wouldn't say it's changed, uh, but there's just this new yeah. definition of a friend where it's like, there, for example, there are people who I haven't seen since fifth grade who all of a sudden are my exactly. friends on Facebook, and I know everything that's going on in their lives, but I haven't seen them again. I haven't seen them since I was ten years old, and. I otherwise would have never even seen them or it's like, oh, wow, I remember your name now because now we're friends on Facebook. Although there are people that, there are old childhood friends I've reconnected with and have had friendships as an adult because of that. But, yeah, I get that where it's like, it's like there's a friend who will move your couch and then there's a friend who (laughs) you're never going to see ever. (laughs) <laughs> no, this is true. Yeah, I mean, uh, it definitely watered down what a friend, <laughs> like how a friend is defined. You know, it's like Facebook friends is like so watered down. And I think, I don't know, that's another, <laughs> that's another radio interview, I think. Another topic absolutely. About that's, that's, that's a whole other show. As here, this is really about, as this show, as Jay and I and our team have created, is about the relationships that parents have with their children, whether it's whether it's a someone who has young children or someone who has relationships with their family, even like people like myself who don't have children, like even the relationships with my father based on just the music that we listen to together and separately. Together. That's right. a big big thing. I think now that's a problem because I feel people's musical experiences are often, you know, independent of anyone else. Like, you listen to your iPod, you listen, I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, I feel like people are growing, and including the family unit, is growing increasingly disconnected with technology and everything, you know. Like, my friend's dad has, like, an iPhone and everything. He's like, yeah, I'm listening to all this cool stuff, but he's not listening to it with the family. It's like he's listening to it. And music is more of an independent experience. So, I, I mean, not in all circles, but, you know, I just feel like technology is kind of making it less about sharing, really sharing, not just sending a link or something. 
although technology also can bring people closer together, like, for example, like, going back to my love of fish, a year ago, through Twitter, I started talking to a bunch of people who are interested in fish and care about them to the point where we just started meeting each other in the parking lots of shows all summer. And it led to last Halloween where we all flew from our own individual cities to Las Vegas and took an RV to see them on Halloween in California. So in some ways, there are, there are certainly, there's certainly obviously a lot of antisocial aspects of connecting of the internet and being able to be separate, but also there's also a lot of amazing mechanisms to bring people together as well. That's pretty amazing. Huh. Yeah, I'd say uh, for me, music is is definitely very personal. Like I, I really understand what uh, Jennifer's saying in terms of not connecting, not listening to music with other people. But for me, it's like. When I really want to listen to something, I want to digest it and kind of listen to it in a more spiritual way that I feel like I need to almost be by myself. So music has always been kind of a place for me, myself, and I to to escape. Um, but at the same time, I, I'd love to share music with friends over the Internet. And we'll, um, you know, send each other uh, links to listen to songs on, on uh, like, GrooveShark.com where you can kind of select music to listen to on demand. Um, so, I mean, there are social aspects, but definitely I like to digest it on my own, personally. Isn't it fun, though, to, like, get together? I mean, I guess because I'm a musician, I mean, I I spent a lot of time chilling with my friends who are also musicians last time and just listening to music together. And we might be digesting it together, I mean, or independently, but we talk about it. And there's there's a there's something a bit more engaging in that and, like, talking about what we're listening to and, like, how a song makes us feel or talking about, like, you know, it's just more than just, like, sending, I don't know. I mean, it's more than just, like, sending a Right, right. No, I understand that. And that's what I'm talking about in terms of community and, you know, the, cause, I mean, growing up, we didn't have all that technology, and my parents, you know, we actually, you know, with music, we'd actually talk about it, you know, and it was more of like a, you know, if my dad was playing the Beatles, we all heard the Beatles, you know, mm-hmm. like on his, like, little iPod, like, you know, or on his computer. It's like, oh, what's this great Beatles track uh, send? <laughs> Oh, cool, Dad. Open. Cool. <laughs> you know. Yeah, you know, that is kind of right, and it's kind of different now where everybody is basically in their own little musical world, opposed to when we were three and five. We played musical chairs, and, you know, it felt bad being the person that got uh, called out, and everybody wanted to be the last one on the musical chairs going around in a circle. Yeah. We don't play musical chairs anymore because everything is so, so inward now, and that's technology yeah. has... It has made it more personal. But maybe, maybe the kids and the p- parents should bring back musical chairs so we can have a bigger yeah. community in there. <laughs> musical chairs. Use technology to build community. You can do that. Like, you know, I, I feel like with music and everything, technology has made it so easy to discover new music and everything. It's like you feel, you know, an effort has to be made in the home to have those moments where you're sharing music in real time. Right. You know, that's that's my point. You, you guys are both musicians, as we heard earlier, and I just want to know uh, what does your, your family and your mom and dad and our siblings think about your music that you're creating? What do they think now? Now you're grown up, you're, doing these, <laughs> you're a lawyer, but you do music, and you're a musician. I want to know what they think about it. What do your family think about what you guys are doing? Both of you guys. You want to answer that first? <laughs> <laughs> oy, oy um, okay. Um, so my parents are really supportive of my music, and they've always been. You know, like, they really emotionally, like, they've always believed me. They've never told me, ever, you can't be a singer. You cannot. You need, you need a backup plan. You need to do this. Like, they never told me anything. They're like, 
we know you'll be successful whatever you choose to do, and you'll as long as you're happy. Um, but in terms of my music, like they, actually, my dad he has a very particular uh, music taste, you know. Um, so I'm always a bit hesitant to show him my stuff, but he actually he really likes my new my latest album, and he's like he's a truck driver, and he was actually uh, he got um, a bunch of my postcards with my iTunes information on it, and he's been giving them out to everyone he meets on the road. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> um, so, yeah, my dad's really supportive. He he likes my music, um, and my mom, too. Like, I don't know. Um, I, the thing is, my stuff is is influenced by what they played me as a kid, honestly. I mean, I'm, my songs are really structured. I mean, they're, they're definitely in that top 40 vein. My voice is influenced by, you know, all the Broadway my mom would show me. You know, the classical music definitely helped me with my musicianship, right? So it's like, um, I mean, is it a surprise that my parents would be supportive of, like, the music I'm creating when they laid that foundation? You, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's coming from them. Like, a lot of it's coming from them. Like, it's a major influence, you know? So it's like... That connection. I mean, you kill daddy. Huh? I mean, what? I mean, you you kill that. You kill daddy. Oh yeah, right. I did kill Annie. <laughs> I did kill Annie. Um, so if I did an Annie cover, I don't think they would like that very much. <laughs> really, no, that's enough. <laughs> that's enough. Really. Tomorrow's never gonna come. No. Now, now, was there any songs that you liked as a kid that your parents just, I wouldn't say hate, but just disliked or even just made fun of you because you just, the songs that, that like, where it was something you were interested in that they just oh, quite a had, few. didn't get? Quite a few. Like, is there, is um, there any ones in particular you can remember and, like, the oh, reactions yeah. that they had? I remember the day. <laughs> <laughs> like wow. yesterday. My dad doesn't like R&B music that much. You know, he's more, at least modern R&B music, you know. Like, my dad's more of a simple singer-songwriter guy. He likes he likes vocal delivery that's clean. He loves Frank Sinatra. He doesn't like a whole lot of runs and stuff, you know. But I love that stuff. I love, I love vocal acrobatics. That's just, dude, I love Mariah as a kid. I would, like, mimic her like crazy, but... Um, so I listened to Mariah and men and stuff because of my, my friends from school, you know, and I wanted to be like Mariah and boys to men, you know, and sing like them. So when I first started, I think I sounded really bad. (laughs) (laughs) My dad's like, what are you doing to your voice? He's like, you're so good at singing Broadway. It's like, this is awful. (laughs) You don't need to do all that stuff to get the point across, you know? Um, so he really didn't like that. But my mom did, so he was like, at least I got one of them. But. <laughs> Very cool. Anyway, Adam, yeah. how about with you? Uh, for me, I think my parents were are, are a little different <laughs> in terms of, of just their own taste. Um, definitely had much more support on, like, the... Uh, go off, try songwriting, whatever, from from my mom than I did from my father. Uh, He's less interested in in music. Um, Unfortunately, when I was 19, my my mother passed away. But after that, I had, I mean, a great deal of influence from her. I I wrote a, uh, and and like self-produced a solo album that, uh, you know, at least half the songs were pretty much written uh, with her in mind and, and her memory and kind of that certainly helped me through the process of, of morning and, and kind of building myself back up. And I think that she would uh, definitely have liked a lot of the music. I mean, whenever I was writing stuff in high school, I would play it, and she was always uh, really happy and wanting to hear what I was putting together. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, we talked about a relationship I mean, talk about a relationship with your parents where it's like you can have relationships with them even even after they've left and just 
the memories, like, my mother died when I was young, and I just always heard stories that she was at Shea Stadium for that for that famous Beatles concert. And, wow. And, and that's that's one of those stories which I'm never going to get, which is like, wow, if I could just talk to her now about that, that would just be just, wow. Right, definitely. <laughs> I definitely hear that. And, you know, like, my mom was so smart. I mean, like I said, you know, when I was, going to, like, these local shows every weekend. I mean, my mom was the one who was driving me and my friends. So, I mean, she was always really supportive in in me pursuing uh, those types of things. But, you know, like, my musical taste growing up, I think the other question you asked was whether music that my parents didn't like. I, Looking back, I had, like, a pretty obsessive, obscure musical personality. When I was in, like, first grade or so, I was obsessed with Elvis Presley. And, like, I would do like an Elvis impersonation and sing like him and it was really funny and uh, and later on in like middle school I got really into the doors and uh, and read all the poetry of Jim Morrison and like for like a year I, I kid you not I wore a name tag that said Jim Morrison every day to school and wow. <laughs> awesome. it was like what, what is this kid thinking and it was funny because I think my mom always like really laughed and thought it was humorous. And my father was more like, oh, God, really I have to go in public with him and, he, and explain this to people? But at the same time, I connected with him because he really loved the Doors. And that was like the music of his college day. So, you know, for him, uh, he could picture studying engineering in his dorm room with uh, Robbie Krieger's, you know, solo on in the background for Light My Fire, you know, over the radio. And, and it kind of brought back uh, old memories to him. So he was willing to listen to that music with me in the car, uh, whereas my mom was, was more willing to listen to more modern music as well with me. Um, I apologize, gentlemen, and, and uh, Jennifer, well, I have to get going now. But thank you for including me in the show. Yeah, today. no. Adam, thanks for joining us today, Adam. And thank Adam, you. Adam, it was great talking to you. Excellent. I'll talk to you all soon. Yeah, Excellent. sounds good. Good speaking with you. Okay, I'm so right. sorry, but I actually have to run through <laughs> because um, uh, I have to run off somewhere. Well, I only had until 12.42. It is exactly 12.42 according to my clock. So thank you for joining us as as well for this little mini reunion as for anyone listening, as, since you wouldn't know this. Like the four of us actually just met at an event in New York last month, so in some ways this has been a reunion of sorts. It has been, yeah, I just forgot about that, we're all sitting around that table. Absolutely, and enjoy that wonderful meal. (laughs) Oh, yes, yes, which you can enjoy with your children when they turn 21. Exactly, when they turn 21, yes, of course, unless you're in Italy or something. Perhaps. So, Jennifer, yes. thank you very much for joining us today and sharing with us your background, your relationships, and thank you. Thank you. Thank you. No, have a great day, guys. Thanks. All right. Thank you. All right. Bye. All right. So, Jay, it's, it's you and I again. We have about 15 minutes left on our show today. If anyone's listening who would like to join us and call us in, our number is 661-244-9800. That's 661-244-9800 if you'd like to join us. And if you would, and if not, just keep on listening. So, so Jay, what did you get out of our two guests today and their very unique, similar yet definitely different experiences just growing up musically? I thought I thought they were wonderful. What a great show! Um, I got from um, I got from Adam. It was like he had a soccer mom, but it was like a music mom that would take him around to the show. So I thought that was unique because he said it was his mom was the one who dropped him off at these different concerts. What that is, you know, that's beautiful. You, your mom, you know, that's the kind of support that you need from your family. They might not dig the music that you're listening to, but at least it'll take you to the shows to keep you out of trouble to keep you in a, a nice community that where they know where you're at 
And it, it, it's like a bonding between a mom and a son. So I thought that was a neat thing, and that showed how him and his mom reacted, you know. So that was interesting to me. What do you think about that, Ian? That was very interesting to me, just that alone. I, I, I thought it absolutely was. In some ways, it's like soccer mom is probably like the perfect um, – perfect, like, um, analogy. Like, when I grew up in high school, my sister and I were in the marching band, and my father was, like, at all, as many competitions as he could, making sure we were getting to band practice on time as, as in my life in high school, from the middle of August until Thanksgiving, my life essentially was belonged to the band. At, at my high school that I went to, Porchester High School, Homeroom is not at the beginning of the day like it is at most schools. It's between, or at least back when I was there in the 90s, it was between second and third period because band was first what was first period. And not only that, band practice every day started before school started. So we'd still get there a half hour, 45 minutes early before school officially started because that's when band starts because that's, that's how much that's how much the school has valued the marching band. I mean, they're, the Porchester High School marching band, they're called the Pride of Porchester. Wow. They, yes. And it's like, I remember, like, when I was in high school, we actually took a few days off from school because we were in Manhattan filming some scenes at the beginning of the remake of Miracle on 34th Street. Uh-huh. which was just an amazing experience being my first time on first time on a real, like, Hollywood movie set. And just that experience because, I, because my parents valued music for my sister and I so much that I had, was able to have those opportunities growing up. That, that's important. And, then, and the thing with Jennifer, what intrigued me was the fact that her dad, was in, uh, was a promoter, so he's driving his truck around. He's handing out flyers and CDs, and, and he's he's supporting his daughter. And then that's a, that's the other thing: the soccer dad, the music dad, and that's another thing that that brought uh, into the light, which her dad is uh, turned into a promoter. So I thought that tickled me, uh, pink there, because uh, <laughs> the dad turned into like Don King or something, you know. So it's <laughs> so that was something different too. So. That's a good interaction with a parent and his daughter. So, you know, he's driving around in his truck, and he's promoting his daughter, and he's getting the word out. Absolutely. There's just, as it's like, it's weird. It's like you've got, like, stage mobs. You've got people where it's like they're living their dream, but when it's, but it's something else when parents are, are devoting themselves to their children's dreams. It's not like, for example, I will never play Major League Baseball and the idea of forcing my, if I had a son, forcing him to play baseball every day because I wanted to play baseball, that's one thing. But it's another thing when it's like your kids tell you, this is what I want to do, this is what I'm doing, these are actually my interests, and that they take a such a vested interest in their children's growth no matter or whether it's something they did when they were a kid and some or not. Right. That's and if you a look lot at, of devotion. Yeah, and you look at both of them are successful. You look at Adam, he's, a, he's going to be a lawyer, but his family supports yeah. his music. Jennifer, she's doing her music. She's happy. I mean, this is what the show is about. This is about parents and kids doing music together and all the way until they're grown full adults and, and going on, you know, this is wonderful. This is wonderful news and um I'm happy we had those two guests on the show today. That's, um, that just proves the fact that you need to have a relationship with your children and vice versa. Absolutely. Okay, we have, we have a caller. I'm going to put them on. <laughs> Hello. Hi, you're on um, Parents, Kids, Parents Kids Music. Hi, Em. How are you today? I'm fine. How are you? Excellent. Um, and what's your name? Uh, my name is Davis. Hello, Miss Davis. How are you today? And I and I had a question for both uh, you there and Mr. Logan. I wanted to know yeah. where you guys where you guys what um, the next technology is that the kids in high school would be using to listen to their music. You know, 
and, and how you feel about your children actually having access to that technology who are below the ages of like 10 and 12. I mean, below the ages of 12, excuse me. Wow, that's, I know that there's a lot of music discovery that's available right now. Not sure if it's so much about for children, because still it's like not being a parent. I obviously see like there's still a lot of, it's an age where I see that they're still open to like watching what's on TV or listening to the radio before really being able to really, like, learn how to navigate the Internet. As I know there's just a lot of issues with parental control online, which I understand you don't want them to look at questionable images. But, Jay, you are a parent. What, what is your opinion on this? Um, um, you know, I think music technology is good if it's in the classroom, if it's supervised. And, and that's where that's where you draw the line right there. Um, as you were saying, you can't let your kid run wild with this new technology because you know there's all types of music out there, good and bad. So if it's in the you know if it's in the classroom or and they can learn about the new computer programs that help you know create and listen and record music, then that's where the benefit will will uh, help the child. <laughs> um, as far as at home, as long as the parent supervising the kid at home, Ms. Davis. And then that's a good thing. But when you let your kid run free with the technology, that's where we have um, problems because the kids are so young. So if the teacher and the parent can get together at school and, and have these programs for these children, then it's all right. So that's where I stand with that. Um, and, and they can learn all the tools that's necessary to download, to listen, to go to something like Pandora, listen to their favorite songs. Uh, or even download things through uh, maybe the iPod or, or things that they have. So I think that's where um, you draw the line there. As long as it's um, uh, corralled and, um, you know, given out, music should be given out sparingly uh, to protect the child. Excellent. And, oh, I see we have another caller on. I'm going to bring them on as well. Hi, um, you're on the air on Parents Kids Music. How are you today? I'm okay, thank you. How are you? Excellent. Um, is, is this Mariella? Yes, it is. Welcome. <laughs> wow, all the calls all the way from London. How do you like that, Jay and um, Miss Davis, as she calls herself? Yeah, that that is wonderful. Um, we appreciate you. Yeah, we want we definitely want to hear what you have to say from London because there's kids over there and then. We would like to know what they doing, what they're doing over there. Well, what they're doing, um, they're experiencing a range of issues here, from positive to very negative. Um, things are out of control in the family, you know, setup. Um, there's, you know, there's the issues of the nuclear family, that is the the inner unit and the extended family, and the breakup of that and how that's affecting different communities in different ways. And everybody's working out strategies on how to combat the, the excesses and the negatives that are occurring. Of course, you know, that's affecting, you know, the child within the school and also the child coming out of school. So there's so many aspects. I just wanted to know really what was really happening on your side in terms of how successful it's working out in the U.S and how that works out with all the different communities. Because I would imagine that it's different outcomes for different communities. Right. Well, over here, you know, we noticed that music technologies can motivate some of the young people over here who might otherwise leave school, you know, even without basic skills, you know, and to gain employment or whatever they, whatever you, they may do. So uh, the music over here is really been positive to keep some of the kids in school longer and to motivate them to stay in school to get their education. And then you have some cases where, uh, Mariama, where uh, the music, uh, some of the music, the negative music will motivate the kid to do the opposite. So as long as, um, I guess, you keep the positive music in front of the children or the high school students or the college kids, it will motivate them to stay in school and get their skills. Um, 
that's where we're at over in the U.S. You know, you, you want you want your kid to love music, but you don't want him to love music so much where he doesn't get his education. So we we're uh, it's a thin line there, to where you want to motivate the kid to stay in school, you want him to listen to music, but you don't want him to go totally crazy where he's a dropout. So I guess if that's answering the question, that's what's going over here in in, in our country. Um, How successful do you think it is, or how successful do you think um, the methods or the particular uh, initiatives you are talking about work? Um, well, you know, it, it's kind of early. The early caller was talking about most of these kids are walking around with these MP3 players and iPods, so they're tuning out. So this is where the technology becomes a problem. They're tuning out the tribe. They're tuning out the community. They're tuning out their friends because they're into their own world and they're not focusing and paying attention that we live in a real world. So mm-hmm. we have to reestablish, um, you guys, the community that uh, music is supposed to be a tribe. It's supposed to be a village. We're all supposed to enjoy it as one person and as a tribe. And so once we, once we bring that full circle back, we will be able to enjoy that. That's where, that's where the concerts came in. That's why they have concerts. You have tons and tons of people. That's why parents should take their kids to concerts and events. And whether it's acting or plays or musicals, this is what we're trying to infuse in our community because that technology has definitely separated each. Everybody has their own, own uh, playlist, their own radio station they listen to that they device with. What is happening to the village and the tribe and the whole thing, the mixed the boiling pot? What do you think about that, Ian? I think that there's so many, it's just like the world, I think, in terms of media being consumed, has gone like into such like specialized niche markets where in some ways that it's, there's just like so many different versions of, it's like if you go just music alone, different versions of rock, different versions of R&B, different versions of country, different classical or classic rock stations or new classical or orchestral. It's it's just, there's just so many things where there's a lot of people who just want to be separate, yet sometimes want to be together. I mean, like in some ways, like the United States is a country that's built on immigrants, and some people, they want, um, depending on how long they've been in this country, whether it's years, decades, or centuries, may keep that heritage from the old world, and sometimes not necessarily be, sometimes have reluctance in assimilation, and I see the same thing in terms of just all different kinds of content, music, culture, and it's just really about that balance of being an individual and also just being in a collective. And on that note, um, we have we have about one minute remaining. So, um, give any final thoughts today? Okay. Um, maybe Ian, we should try to devise a music Twitter where people can listen to the music and and tweet each other at the same time to make a community. Maybe that's a good topic for later on. A music Twitter. You don't know. You, you know. You never know what it would do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and Mariana, do you have any um, final thoughts before we go? Well, I think there's a lot of work to be done. I think this is a great uh, way forward. There is so much that is happening, and there's so much to be tackled. You know, I think there is also, you know, very interesting energy about looking at how it can be resolved. You know, many issues can be resolved through music, and I think it's fantastic. Thank you. Well, I'd like to thank everyone, our guests today. I'm Jennifer. I'm Adam, Miss Davis, Mariama, and thanks for joining. And Jay, thank you very much. And join us next time on Parents, Kids, Music as we discuss the relationships of parents and children and the music that they listen to. Thank you.